0: This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Hello, I'm Justin Self, and I am starting
1: today a brand new series. This is part of the Physics of Faith series that we've been talking about, but this is kind of like a little sub-series within the series, if you will. I'm probably not going to be able to get this done in one episode. So just expect maybe, you know, maybe two episodes out of this. Um, Today, I'm really, I know I always say I'm excited to share a new podcast, but this one is probably going to be one of my best episodes yet. And the reason why is because I'm sharing something today that I have wanted to share on the podcast since day one. I have been prevented from doing so mostly just cuz we've had, you know, so many other things we wanted to talk about and and do, but I've been really looking forward to sharing this with you. The topic is called Spirit, Soul and Body. Spirit, Soul and Body. And so maybe that doesn't sound exciting to you. Maybe you've heard something like this before and you're like, oh, "Okay, I've heard this," or maybe you're like, "What are you talking about? Boring." Don't don't turn it off. I mean, I believe this is going to really encourage anybody. If you've never heard Bible teaching along the lines of Spirit, Soul and Body, I guarantee you, if you get into the word and you receive the things that I'm saying and you let the Holy Spirit do something in your heart, according to the scriptures that we're gonna cover, you know, and get this stuff really in your heart, I guarantee you it's gonna change your life. If you've already heard this before and maybe you're walking in this understanding of spirit, soul, and body, hey, praise God, that's awesome. Like, I I salute you, you know, that's great. But this is gonna encourage you as well because I know every time I study anything from the word of God, I always grow. I wanna start out by saying that this concept was really, really foundational to me. So you may have heard my story if you've listened to the podcast before, but in 2012, I was depressed. I was on the verge of taking my own life. I was so depressed and messed up. I had anxiety attacks all the time. I was having a really, really hard time. And that's when I started going back to church. And I started going back to this one church and, you know, just mostly to get away from my dark, scary, horrible life. And when I went to church, I felt better, you know? Well, it went from that to, you know, progressively, I just was opening my heart more and more to the things of God. And one night in February uh, 2012, the Lord God, Jesus Almighty touched my life. I had an actual encounter, a tangible experience with Jesus that I, I can't fully explain, but I can tell you that it marked me forever and it changed me forever. All at once, I just, I I realized that God was real, that he loved me, that the Bible is true, you know, all the stuff that I'd learned as a kid, like, like I just had an experiential encounter. And I want to encourage you that, you know, I'm actually, this isn't in my notes, but I'm going to turn here to John chapter 17 really quick, because I believe this is really important to what we're talking about and also important to the, the story I'm telling you. So John chapter 17 and verse three, again, this is, this is, Jesus talking. And I want you to know something. You might've heard, you know, a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you might've heard Christians talking about eternal life and going to heaven and all this stuff. And when you hear people talk about eternal life or eternity, usually they're talking about what's going to happen after you die, right? I'm here to tell you that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and your sin is paid for by his blood, yeah, you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. That's awesome. I'm going to be there. And I really hope you're there as well. Um, if you're not born again, if you haven't received Jesus's payment for your sin, then, you know, I don't know how to say it any other way. I'm not going to say it politically correct. I'm not going to try to whitewash it. I'm going to tell you right now that you're not going to be with Jesus forever. Um, there's a place called hell. It's absolutely true. And, you know, people don't go there because of their sin, because they did the wrong thing or they did the right thing or, you know, their sin outweighed their good or whatever. That's not why anybody goes to hell. People go to hell because they simply don't get their sin nature renewed by the blood of Jesus. There's only one way that a human being born into a sinful nature, which we're gonna talk about this more in the podcast today, there's only one way for that to get resolved and it's through the blood of a perfect sacrifice. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. That's why the gospel is so awesome is there's no way that we could ever get out of this thing on our own. And so anyway, I'm I'm saying all that to say that Jesus here defines what eternal life is. Eternal life isn't living forever. Everybody's gonna live forever no matter what. All right? But eternal life, as the Bible declares it, or as Jesus defines it, is this. I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you out of John chapter 17 in verse three. This is Jesus speaking, He says, "And this is eternal life that they may know you." This is talking to God, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent." I'll say it again. This is eternal life that they, meaning us, the people, may know God we'd know God. And then it says, and that we would know Jesus Christ whom God has sent. Well, I want to point out all this to say that word in the Greek, when it says that they may know you is the word ginosko. And that word carries this idea of intimate knowing. This isn't like knowing with your brain or you read a book and then you take a test or something like this. Isn't just mental knowledge. This word describes such an intimate relationship that it's actually used to describe sexual relations between a husband and wife. You know, in the in the in the in the Old Testament, you know, Adam knew his wife Gnosko in the in the Greek version, Gnosko his wife, and they had a child. Well, that how many of you know that that's an intimate relationship, right? But Jesus is is using that same word to say, "Hey, this is eternal life that they would Gnosko you, God, that the people would Gnosko Jesus." Like, and again, this is not mental knowledge. This is an experiential knowledge, and so that's what I'm saying here. I had an experience with the Lord, and. It was awesome. It was the first time I've ever had, you know, a gnosco relationship with God. It was, it was amazing. And I just, if you haven't had that type of relationship with God, you can, you absolutely can have that relationship with God. You can have an encounter with him. You can have a gnosco moment with him. It's awesome. And, and so for me, it was, you know, desire and all this stuff. Like I had a hard time and, and I was just seeking after the Lord and I don't want to get off track here, but what I want to say is that after that moment, I mean, man, it was a a few months, like three to four months, maybe five months that I was literally, I was like, I don't know how to explain it. I literally don't remember eating. I don't remember sleeping. I'm sure I did. I know I had a job at the time and I know I had to, I had to go up, go to work and stuff and, and do my thing. I know that had to happen, but I legitimately don't remember eating or sleeping because I was in the word. I was praying in the spirit. I was talking to God, I was spending time with him. He was just lavishing his love on me, and I was experiencing this thing that is completely indescribable, you know. It was awesome. And so what's interesting is is my story parallels that of other people, you know. I maybe you're maybe you've experienced that same thing. I've heard other people explain their story and it's very similar to mine, and it's awesome. You know, that we have these experiential moments with the Lord that totally mark us. And so what happened for me is after that time, I kind of had this weird season where I almost was like coming off of a high or something, you know? And I started like, you know, the honeymoon almost with the Lord was over. I don't know what it was, but like, I stopped kind of having these radical encounters with him slowly, but surely to the point where I felt terrible. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I just had these radical encounters with Jesus and now I'm down to feeling like a, you know, I'm down to earth again. I'm doing my job and I'm talking to people and I'm being a human again after this four months of just being completely engulfed in the, in the things of the spirit. I remember it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Cause I'm like, God, where are you? Like, like wh- where's your presence? Where's all this amazing, you know, just rainbows. And I don't know, just like glory of God, just manifesting tangibly in my life for these many months. And And really what happened at that point was I had a decision to make. And I remember specifically saying, hey, I'm going to decide right now that I'm not going to build my life on an experience as awesome as it was and as amazing as it was. And really, it truly did save my life. It transformed my life. It started to transform other people around me. And it just was awesome. The anointing of God was just all over me. It was was wonderful. But even with all that, I made a decision back then. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to or I'm not going to build my life on an experience. I'm going to build my life on the word of God because I'd been trained up that way, that the word of God is 100% true. And maybe you don't believe that. And that's okay. I respect you. You know, I I bless you. And I'm not going to, I'm not here to argue with anybody. But what I am here to say is I'm offering you these things for my life as I have firsthand witness that these things work. I, I've seen it in other people. I've seen it work too many times to, to have an argument against it. You know what I'm saying? In my life, God's word has absolutely come to pass every single step of the way. And I have stepped out pretty far. I have stepped out and I've put the Bible to the test. I've put God to the test. I've put his word to the test. I put the Holy Spirit to the test more than, and again, I'm not trying to brag or anything by any means, but I've put it to the test and I've stepped out more than a lot of people that I know. And many people that I've known over the years, I've stepped out and I've pushed pretty hard on who God is. And Over the last decade plus, I've found out, you know, the results of my testing, you know, pushing on the Lord, pushing on the Bible, you know, putting it to the test, the results are are obvious every single time God is faithful to His Word. That's why I want to start out this mini-series by saying that this revelation of spirit, soul, and body came in that season where I'm deciding to build my life on the word of God and not just on experiences, right? And so God took me into this awesome place. I just was reading the Bible every day, like crazy. I mean, it was just really interesting situation. You see, I was working, at that time I had taken a job at a dialysis unit and I was working nights. It was the only position they had. I didn't wanna work nights, but hey, I was I was working nights. Because I was working nights, my wife was working days. We had no children back then. We lived in this tiny little one bedroom apartment, man oh my gosh, it was like, it was like a studio or something. It was super small. And so my wife and I were like ships passing in the night, right? So we never saw each other, hardly ever. And so I would work nights and I'd get home and I'd sleep. And then when I woke up, I had several hours before I went back to work that evening, but nobody was there. And I just was so in hungry for the word. I would spend six hours, sometimes eight hours a day in prayer and in the word. And I did this for seven months, solid, maybe more. And so it was out of this season that all, a lot of this stuff came to me. Just, you know, these things were birthed in me. Who I am today basically is really a result of me putting the time in and spending time in prayer, spending time in the word of God, and just going through Bible school with the Holy Spirit. One of the things that came out of this was this, this thing about spirit, soul, and body. And I think that this is the most foundational, I'm serious, the most foundational teaching that I could ever give you aside from just the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into, you know, the fact that Jesus, like I said a minute ago, hey, Jesus died and rose again, and that's the way to salvation. And there's reasons why that works and nothing else, you know can work that way. So Jesus is the only way to the father is what I'm saying. And obviously that is, that is the number one, right? At the end of the day, if you forget everything else I said, and you, you aren't born again, remember that (laughs) Jesus is the only way to the father. And you might disagree. You might think that's intolerant. Again, I'm, I'm offering this to you as results. My life has been happier. Uh, That's not even, I can't even use the word happy. Honestly, happy doesn't even come close. Like true joy, has come into my life. True resilience has has come into my life as a result of my encounter with the Lord. And I, again, I'm not even doing it justice, but what I want to say is spirit, soul, and body is beyond like the born again experience and, and some of the most basic things about faith, spirit, soul, and body will change everything for you. If you don't have an understand, a solid understanding of spirit, soul, and body, I don't see how you could read the Bible (laughs) with, with any type of clarity. Honestly, if you don't, if you don't understand the concepts of spirit, soul, and body, the Bible is ultra confusing. Um, I'm going to give you some examples here. First of all, I'm trying to just introduce this topic of spirit, soul, and body. And I believe that once you understand this concept, you're going to read the Bible differently. It's going to come alive to you like it's never come alive before in your life. And at least that's what happened to me. I think going forward, you're going to see that there's, there's so much to it that everything hinges upon spirit, soul, and body. Okay, so where does it say it in the Bible? Justin, what are you, Justin, you're just preaching all this crazy stuff. What are you, what are you talking about? Well, open up your Bible to the book of first Thessalonians and chapter five. You're going to see as we go through this, that there's many, 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 many cases in the Bible where we see spirit, soul, and body, but I don't think there's any better than these two verses that I'm going to give you here. I'm going to give you one out of first Thessalonians chapter five, and then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter four. But first Thessalonians five is just, it's an awesome verse because it's like, this verse shows that there are three parts to a human being. It's not just spirit and body or soul and body, which mo- many, many people, I don't know if I should say most, but many people, and I will say most of the people I've ever met have this idea of the body and the soul, right? But the spirit and the soul are what gets mixed up. Some people use the words interchangeably. They're not really sure. But I want to show you from scripture that there are three different pieces to the human. Check this out. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, In verse 23, the Bible says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What I want to point out with this scripture specifically is, number one, the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That means, hey... He's going to make you holy. He's going to complete you. He's going to do his full work in you. And it says completely, completely means the whole, the whole job, right? So he's going to do the whole, he's going to do the whole process of sanctification of perfection. Sanctification is just a Christian word that means purification. You're set apart for a purpose. You are holy to God, right? And amazing and pure and beautiful. He says he's going to sanctify you, you know, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. That means all the way to the end, to the uttermost, 100%, right? And then it says, may your whole, again, whole meaning everything that there is to you as a person, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, there you go. It's what I want to point out with this scripture. I don't want to go too deep and get off on a rabbit trail on any of the other amazing things about this this scripture, but I want to point out to you, it says spirit, soul, and body. And in the Greek, those are three different words. They have three different meanings. Spirit and soul are not the same thing. And we're going to go into that in just a moment. But the next scripture I want to point out is in Hebrews chapter four, where the Bible says in verse 12, it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's so much in this verse. I would love to dedicate the next like five podcasts to just breaking down this verse. And we could, but I'm not going to. I I have other things I want to cover this year. But I want to point out to you right now that we're talking about the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of what? Soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And so what I see here is soul and spirit. Those things are, are two different. Joints and marrow talks about the body, all right? So we have spirit, soul, and body. And again, I know there's a lot more to this verse than that, but again, I, w- I want to point out to you in two different places in the Bible where there's a single verse that contains this concept of spirit, soul, and body in one verse. I think that's pretty cool. One of the most important things about doctrine in, in the body of Christ or making doctrine of the Bible or you know, establishing our doctrine Doctrine just means teaching, by the way. Like what, what I'm teaching is is the doctrine that I believe in, right? And things might shift over the years. I, I get that. But where I'm at today and what I see in the word of God is, is very solid doctrine uh, concerning spirit, soul, and body. And so I'm not going to share something with you that I don't feel I've done the research on or I don't feel like I've really... You know, if I feel like I'm kind of pick, cherry picking, I, I'm not going to go there. You're not going to hear me on the podcast going there with those types of things. Those, those are the things I'm working out personally. But when I'm sharing something on the podcast, it's something I've really walked in. I've seen the fruit of, and I definitely have done my homework on on this. And we see multiple things you know, multiple examples of this in scripture. And so I just wanted to point out here that God has clearly communicated to us through his word that we are three-part beings. Spirit, soul and body. Now, I want to notice something. Check this out. This is in Genesis chapter chapter 1. You might be wondering, okay, Justin, that was the New Testament. That was, you know, Hebrews and, and 1 Thessalonians. That's fine. Maybe it was just a word thing that you were, you know, coming up with. Where, where does this really come into play in, you know, in the Old Testament, maybe? The first instance that I see in the Bible of the the threefold nature of man, we could call it, is in Genesis chapter one, where God himself is making everything, you know, let there be light, you know, let there be this, let there be that. He's creating things with his words. Notice that in verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What I want you to notice is that we were created as human beings, number one, in his image, and number two, after his likeness. But it wasn't just in the Hebrew. You notice the version I just read said, let us. It wasn't in the Hebrew just a singular, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make man, or let, "let let me make man, you know? He doesn't say me. He uses the word us, right? That's a plural word. And indeed, when you look at the words in the Hebrew in chapter one, it's actually God's. It's actually, there's actually a plurality to this word that we read in the English language that says God, but really it was the Godhead was creating all these things. And then here it's very explicit. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Well, of course, with the New Testament, we now know that there's a father, son, and Holy Spirit. There's a threefold nature of God. And if we're made in his image and in his likeness, then we are also threefold beings. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us that we have three parts. Now, why am I making a big deal out of this? You might be thinking, okay, this is not that exciting. (laughs) I'm here to tell you it is extremely fundamental to the Christian life. This is literally ground zero. This is one-on-one. This is simple, low, uh, low low-hanging fruit. I mean, this is where we should start with the Christian life. The rest of our Christian experience is actually walking out you know what it looks like to, to to navigate spirit, soul, and body. And you'll see that in a few minutes here, okay? And so I believe that misunderstanding these concepts actually will lead to frustration and spiritual ignorance. I don't mean to sound rude. I just I, I don't mean to insult anybody by saying ignorance. I just it just means you don't know, right? Anger ignorance means you don't know something. And if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, I believe you're gonna be uh spiritually disabled. I really do. And again, I don't I know that sounds harsh, but bear with me. I think you'll see what I mean. So, what are the differences between spirit, soul and body? Well, let's start with body. That's the easy one, right? You can probably guess that the body is the part of you that interacts with the physical world around you, right? That's pretty easy. The soul and the spirit, those are the hard ones, right? Okay, so the soul is it, again, if you go into the Greek and the Hebrew and you kind of look up what's going on, there's a very big difference. The soul has to do with the mind, the will, the emotions, the personality, the conscience, things like that. The soul is the part of you that reacts with the and interacts with the emotional world and words, right? If I, if you and I were talking face to face, and I'm not talking about my book. I'm talking about if you and I were actually, you know, physically face to face talking, we would be looking at each other's bodies, right? The part of you that you see when you talk to a person, that's their body, their hair, their head, their eyes, their mouth, all that stuff. That is the physical body. The soul is what you're talking to. You, you are hearing me through my soul right now. Your soul is, is hearing my soul. And, you know, I can, I can hurt you with my body by hitting you or something. Not that, that would, I would ever want to, but I can also hurt you through my soul. I, I, haven't you ever, you know, had somebody say something to you and it just hurts? deeply, like words can hurt you. That's the soulish realm. Another way to put it, you know, the soulish realm is reaching in and emotionally wounding you. And of course I would never do that to you, but I could say things on this podcast that would really impact you deeply, right? Well, that's the soul realm. That's our souls interacting. And again, let me just put a caveat here. If this is, if you feel like this is way out there, or you think this is like new agey or something, just again, just buckle in because man, we are in the scripture. We're in the word of God. And I'm going to show you things again from the Word that, you know, the Word uses these, these terms, spirit, soul, and body. I think it's pretty clear from the two scriptures I read earlier that that's the case. And again, we're going to run into some more. I don't think this is too weird and too out there. In fact, a lot of the new agey people and all these other occult things, where do you think they got these concepts? They under- A lot of them understand spirit, soul, and body better than Christians do. Why? It's because they have figured it out. It, it's not you know, it's not good or bad. It's just, they've figured out how God made humans. And I, I think a lot of Christians simply don't go there because they think it's a cult or something else, but I'm here to encourage you. Spirit, soul, and body is super important. Let me just say it this way. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. That's my favorite way to describe it. The spirit now is who you truly are. It's your identity. This isn't your personality. This isn't your mind, will, and emotions. This is, this is who you are at the deepest level. Now, I want you to notice something. This is really important. Your body, you can take an inventory on how your body is doing right now, right? You can know if you're tired, if you're hungry, you know, if you have pain in, somewhere in your body. It's really easy to kind of check in and see where your body is, right? You've, you've learned how to do that your whole life. Same goes with the soul realm. You can immediately check and get feedback from your soul. How are you are doing? You know, are you happy? Are you sad? Are you depressed? Do you have something on your mind? How are you feeling today? How are you doing today? Right? What's your personality like? So you can take inventory of those things immediately. But the spirit is different. And I'm going to show you. Let's go over here to John chapter 3. I didn't tell you at the beginning of this podcast we were going to go through so many scriptures. <laughs> if you're driving or something, hey, just listen and enjoy it. But I do encourage you to look these things up. And a lot of this, man, you have to you have to look it up. Otherwise, you don't you don't believe what I'm saying. All right, listen. This so this is in John chapter three. Jesus is talking to um, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He's a ruler. He's a leader of the Jewish people, and. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night to talk, and Jesus just starts rolling out, you know, these crazy spiritual truths that were just blowing Nicodemus's mind. And listen to this. This is what Jesus says to him. He says, Most assuredly, this is verse three of chapter three. Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says to Jesus, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know? In verse 5, Jesus answers and says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's what I wanted to point out to you. Jesus says, flesh is flesh, and spirit is spirit. So these are different like, you could think of it as matter, if you will. I like to think of it as there's spiritual matter and then there's physical matter. Your body is, is you know, physical matter. It's made up of atoms and molecules and all sorts of things. And your spirit is made up of spiritual matter. I don't, I don't know what they call it, but it's spiritual matter. Angels are made of spiritual matter. God is a spirit. You'll see that in John chapter 4, Jesus says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, right? We relate to God spirit to spirit. This is something super fundamental. I don't want you to forget. We do not relate to God, flesh to spirit or with our um, soul. So many people think that we we relate to God in the soul realm or in the flesh realm. That's not how it works. And I'm going to show you that from scripture. Let's go to James chapter one. And I'm going to show you what the Bible says about some of these things that we're saying. In James chapter one, it says, oh man, I'm going to go to verse 21. There's a lot to say here. I'm going to try to try to keep it. Keep it here. All right, here we go. Listen to this. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Pause. He said, save your souls. We hear about that type of thing. Oh, you know, so many souls were saved or so so and so is a, is a soul winner, right? Have you ever heard about that? Somebody, you know, saving their soul, you know? Well, again, based on what we just talked about, the soul is actually not the eternal part of you entirely. We're going to get into the fact that the spirit and the soul are actually eternal, the body is not. You're going to get a new body later. When when someone gets born again or receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their soul doesn't change and we're going to see that in a moment. But their spirit changes. And so, when you read this this in James chapter tw- chapter 1, this is one of those scriptures I was talking about that it's going to be confusing if you don't understand spirit, soul and body cuz you read in the very front of this thing, James is talking to the 12 tribes. He's talking to people of Israel and in fact he's talking to believers if you if you read this you know read read the book of James he's actually talking to believers who are who have been scattered abroad by the persecution you know in the early church and so if he's talking to Christians and he's telling them that hey you you know you can receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls well their souls are already saved if the soul and the spirit are the same thing this is something i wanted to point out really quickly the implanted word which is the word of god the bible and the living Word of God is able to save your souls. Your soul is, again, your mind, your will, your emotions. Once your spirit is saved and you're born again, pretty much the rest of the Christian life is renewing your mind to the Word of God, and you're getting your soul to be in line with the things of the Spirit. And we're going to see later that when your soul is in line with the Word of God, your spirit and your soul are in alignment And the power and the life of God can actually flood from the spirit realm and into your soul and into your body realm. That's how you can see miracles happen is you can see things flowing from the spirit realm through your soul and then out into your body and you can lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. And you can see other miraculous manifestations. The soul is not the thing that gets changed when you're, when you're born again as a believer in Christ, your spirit is what's been changed. And so let's go on to verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Verse 23, this is what I wanted to land on. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." Okay. What I want you to notice is that James here creates an analogy. He uses this picture of a mirror. So when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you see a representation of yourself, right? You don't actually see your physical self. How many of you have ever seen your own eyeball? (laughs) Straight, you know, not, not through a reflection, None of us, probably, hopefully, right? So you've seen a reflection of yourself through the mirror and you trust that that mirror provides a good enough reflection that you can base your life on it, right? You can look at your eyes and say, hey, I have brown eyes. Well, what if you walked around and someone told you, no, you don't, you have blue eyes, you know? Would I think that they're crazy or would I think my mirror is crazy, right? I would think that they're colorblind or something. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that my mirror is bad. Oh, I have a bad mirror. I need to take it back. It shows that I have blue eyes and not brown eyes. No, the mirror is good, right? It's a reflection thing. And so what I want to point out here is that James is using this, this idea of a mirror as the word of God. The mirror is the scripture. The word of God is the mirror that you look into to see what your spiritual self looks like. Remember I said earlier, you can take inventory of your body and kind of check things out. Oh, I have a pain here or, you know, I'm tired or whatever. You can take an inventory of your body immediately. You can take an inventory of your soul immediately, but you cannot, because remember Jesus said that which is uh, born of the flesh is flesh and the things that are born of the spirit is spirit. You can't just take an inventory on the things of the spirit. You can't just say, hmm, how's my spirit doing today? That doesn't work. We can't do that. We are spirit beings and we are, you know, we are spirits. We have a soul and we live in the body, and a body. But there's really no way to check on that in the same way that you can check your body and your soul. And I know this can kind of get confusing, but just stay with me. The way you check on your spirit is you look into the scripture. You look into the word of God because James says that it's like a mirror. It's a mirror that says he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. And he calls the Bible the perfect law of liberty. You know, you're not a forgetful hearer, but you're a doer of the work. You know, I've used this so many times in my own life where my mind might be telling me one thing. Here's an example. Like, you know, you're hearing things either in your mind or other people are telling it to you that you're you're stupid or you can't do it or something. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you're born again, the Bible says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, you know, all these other scriptures that are encouraging and empowering to you as a person you know so many things that tell you that you that God created you with a purpose and that you can do things that you you weren't built for nothing and you're not just a nobody. But God cares about you. God builds you up for a purpose. In, in Ephesians chapter two, you you have a purpose. You've been created in in Christ for for works for things to do that He prepared beforehand for you to walk in. If I had enough people telling me that I was a nobody, if I saw it on TV, I was reading it in the books or whatever, and everybody's telling me that I'm a nobody, I'm gonna start believing that. And if I start believing that it's going to become who I am and that's my reality. But if I'm born again, that's not the reality in the spirit. You know, God has created me with, with a purpose and a plan and glory and a you know, I'm created in the image of God. And this goes for everybody. Everybody has been created in the image of God, the likeness of God. So if I believe those, those things of the soul and of the body realm, that's where my life's going to go. But I can't, so I can't check in on my spirit. I can't check on, check in on how God sees me in the spirit in that same way. So, I have to look into the Bible. I have to look into the Word of God to see who I really am in the Spirit. Now, I want to show you how this next verse is kind of the big one that did it for me. When I was studying these things out, this really hammered it home to me the reality of spirit, soul, and body, and why it's so important. And so, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. This is a pretty popular verse. You may have heard it before. It says in the Bible here at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm going to read it one more time because I'm going I'm to break it down a little bit. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Uh, one translation says, the fresh and the new has come. And this word new creation in the Greek is awesome. It might be my favorite word in the Greek. It's the word kynos. And it literally carries this idea of something that has been recently made or unused or like a robe that has never been put on before. So you got to understand the difference between um, kynos and then this other word in the New Testament called neos. Hopefully we'll get into that if we have time. This word kinos is describing something that has been freshly created. Nothing like this has ever existed on the planet before. Okay. So with that understanding, now let's read it again. It says, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Never, never, ever, ever been used before. Completely made brand new. That's my paraphrase. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. So, Let's, let's look at this through the lens of spirit, soul, and body. When I would read a verse like that, I wouldn't understand it. And I don't think anyone, I don't see any, how anyone can understand this verse outside of spirit, soul, and body. You're in Christ and you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, how is it that all things have become new when you're in Christ? When you're born again into the family of God, your body doesn't change immediately. How many of you have ever seen somebody go up to the altar weighing 400 pounds and really unhealthy or something like that. You know, I'm just using that as an analogy, you know, overweight and and, and unhealthy. I'm not trying to say anything bad about anybody, just you know, <laughs> using it as an example. And then they receive Jesus into their life, and then suddenly they're, you know, 180 pounds and just muscular or something. Like their body suddenly suddenly gets like changed into some healthier version, right? We've, that doesn't happen. What about somebody who, you know, receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and was totally inept at math before, but suddenly they received Jesus and then boom, now they know all the math there is to know. And like their mind has been, you know, completely renewed. Well, that doesn't happen either. I mean, this is an experience thing, right? Like I'm using experience, but this is also in the Bible, you know, spirit, soul, and body we're talking about. And all things becoming new, recently made, recently you know, created, this is not talking about the body. I think it's pretty obvious. I think you can, you can see that. It's not talking about the soul either. And so this is, I mean, if you just want to be, take it simple, process of elimination, it has to be the spirit. And again, there, this isn't the only place in the Bible that it, this conclusion comes out. I just wanted to use this because it was a personal conclusion from this verse. Let's read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or his spirit has been made brand new. Old things have passed away of the spirit and behold, all things of the spirit have become new. So this is really, really important because let's go over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is cool. Check this out. Again, this is another verse that does not make sense unless you understand spirit, soul, and body. It says here, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Or actually the original Greek literally says, but he who, is, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. doesn't actually say with him. And so how does that work? Before you've received Jesus, your spirit was dead. And after you received Jesus, you have this amazing rebirth. I mean, literally what Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus was being born again. That doesn't mean your physical body or your mind, but your spirit is born again. That's what it means to be born again. It's like when a baby is born, that baby had never existed, you know, in the outside world. That baby being birthed into the world is a brand new creation. It's fresh. He or she is brand new and fresh and has a unique fingerprint, unique personality, unique. Everything about them is unique and amazing and has never existed before. Even identical twins. Some of you know this. Even identical twins are not exactly identical, but there's differences. There's nuances, you know, even with the the closest of twins. I should know my mom and aunt are identical twins. And they like to play tricks on me. What is up with this? If somebody will call me, like my aunt will call me from my mom's phone and I'll pick it up. And I've actually gone entire conversations without knowing it was my aunt. I thought it was my mom because their voice sounds so similar. I've even had them do it to me in person. They look so similar. I've, it takes me a few minutes sometimes to really see who it is who's talking to me. And and of course I can tell the difference, you know, but a lot of other people can't, you know, they were so good they, in, in school. They were They were always so respectful. If it was me, if I had an identical twin, I'd be messing with people 24-7. Man, I would be skipping class and, and showing up late and doing stuff and never miss a beat because my twin would be there. Man, we'd be pulling tricks on people. Man, it'd be awesome. They didn't do anything like that. Boring. <laughs> a new creation, right? So what I'm trying to say here is that when you were born again, all right, let's, let's make it really practical. When you, friend, who's listening to this podcast, when you were born again, your spirit, was recreated, brand new. And this is fundamental. This is so powerful. He that is joined into the Lord is one spirit with him. Let me ask you a question. How many times, this is rhetorical, have you ever heard something from maybe a spiritual leader or someone, or you've thought yourself, or you've read something in the Bible where it leads you to believe that maybe you still have a sin nature? Rhetorical question. I want to point out to you that we are not sinners saved by grace. And I know that that might be offensive because I know there's a lot of people out there that we use that terminology in the Christian world. Oh, we're I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Hey, I get it that you're trying to be humble and all this, and that you're not promoting yourself and you're, you're promoting God's grace. I get that, and that's cool. However, I want to point out to something very important. You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. You are no longer a sinner. See, that's the problem. If you think, and if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, and you think that there's still a sin nature somewhere on the inside of you, It's going to lead to tremendous issues in your Christian life. And so I want to show you something out of Ephesians. Again, I told you we're going to be going through a lot of scripture today. And and again, I'm not cherry picking here. This is, I'm showing you that. And I encourage you to look these up on your own. All right, study this out on your own. Don't just take it from me. I hope this is an encouragement to you, though, to get into your Bible for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit these questions. But I think this is really going to change your life. So in Ephesians chapter four, again, we're talking about you're not a sinner saved by grace. Listen to this. This is out of uh, chapter four. This whole area is just amazing. I'm going to read 17, verse 17 through 24 here. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to point out really quickly that it says, you you put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness, in true righteousness and holiness. So the new man is, again, it's that word kynos. It has that word kynos in it. The new man is the kynos man. That, again, remember from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, kynos carries the idea of brand new, never been worn before, never been put on before, totally fresh. But this, this spirit man that we have, this new man, this kynos man was created created, remember, created from nothing. You know, God created it in us. There's a new spirit created according to God, which means after him, his likeness, in true righteousness and holiness. You know what that means, friend? If you're born again, you are, this is going to sound offensive. Okay. Just hold on, hold on, hold on here. Listen to this. You are righteous and you are holy in God's eyes. I know that might be hard for some of you to believe. And I know for me personally, it was very difficult for me to look myself in the mirror and literally say the words, you are righteous and you are holy. That was hard for me because I didn't understand spirit, soul, and body. I was looking at my actions. I was looking at my, my emotional realm, right? I was looking at all the nasty things I've said and done. And I'm like, there's no way I'm holy. There's no way I'm righteous. Only God is righteous, right? Well, remember, we've been walking through this whole thing, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is holy. Look at right here. Your new man was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so what that means is that you, at the core of who you are, are exactly as righteous and holy as God himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Remember, we were just there. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. If your spirit is joined to the Lord and you guys have the same spirit, and if you have the Holy Spirit in you, right, the Holy Spirit is not gonna dwell in a place that's that's full of sin and corruption. He you no, know, he dwells in the holy place. Well, why would he pick your spirit to dwell in? In fact, why couldn't he dwell in your spirit to begin with? The Holy Spirit can't dwell in your spirit when you're not born again because your your sinful nature spirit is dead. It's not a holy place. Once you receive Jesus, Jesus, his blood, washes away the sinful nature that you had and literally murder. And we I don't know, I'm running out of time, but we'll talk about it later. It literally murders your old spirit, kills it, being, nails it to the cross, crucified with Christ, goes down to hell with Christ. He leaves it there and you have a brand new spirit from God. So that means when you do commit some sort of sin or whatever it is now that you're born again, it doesn't penetrate down to the spirit level. And I know that that right there opens a can of worms. I get that. I don't have time to go into it, but suffice to say yes, if you are a believer in Christ, if you have a brand new spirit and you do commit sin, your spirit is untouched. Your soul and your body. Are you've opened a door to Satan to let things in and walking in sinful, you know, doing things that are sinful is completely bad for you, horrible for you. But what I'm telling you is it doesn't penetrate your spirit. Now that's something we can get talking about on the next episode. I have so much more to say about this, but I just wanted to introduce this beautiful topic of spirit, soul, and body. And finally, I just want to encourage you, If you are in Christ, you are a new creation that you have been made brand new from the inside out. And you might not feel like you're righteous or holy or any of these types of things, but I want to encourage you. The Bible says that when you are born again, your spirit is made brand new. And that is the, the deepest part of who you are as a person and your sin, the sinful things that you may do, or you're, you know, trying to work out or whatever, those things do not penetrate the spirit level. And that's right there. That simple statement that should really encourage you and build you up and release you from so much condemnation, you know, Satan would love nothing more than to have God's people believe that they are broken, that they're defective, that basically the blood of Jesus isn't enough. And friend, I'm telling you right now, the blood of Jesus is enough. Your sin nature is gone. You are born again if you're in Christ. And I encourage you to begin to see yourself that way. Begin to see yourself, not because of your own works or your own goodness. That's not the point. That's not what it's about. You could never work your way up to God, right? But in the spirit, because of the blood of Jesus, you have been made as righteous and holy as God himself. And so now when you read things in the Bible and you read about God dwelling with you and how much he loves you, it makes sense because he loves you in the spirit. He's not taking into account those other things, right? He's not looking at you and loving you based on your actions. He's looking at you and loving you and giving you grace and mercy and kindness and and glory. And he's relating to you in the spirit. So in God's eyes, you are absolutely sinless and spotless and beautiful. And the rest of the Christian life is just getting our soul and our body realm. You know, we're working it out. We're getting that life and power and perfection in the spirit, And we're learning how to get that out into into the rest of our body and and soul realm, right? So that's all I want to say today. We are going to pick this up with the next episode. I'm really excited to get into some deeper stuff with this. Hopefully that was an encouragement to you. Love you very much. And we're praying for you. So we'll see you on the next
0: episode. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.